Lion. We're almost finished with Rosh Chodesh. The nine days preceding preceding Tisha B'Av are upon us. These are so even today. These are difficult days. But we're going to try to answer the big questions, even the big question about Tisha B'Av in this year today. We look at Devarim, the book of Devarim, the fifth book of the Torah, which begins the parsha of Devarim this Shabbat, will be read in the in the Beit HaKneset. It says, Eilah HaDvarim Asher Diber Moshe. Asher Diber Moshe, yes, it would seem in the book of Dvarim that there are talks that were given by Moshe Rabbeinu. He originated them. Even though we call it Torah, and Torah means it comes from Hashem to Moshe Rabbeinu, we're reminded of, I'm reminded of the the position of the Abarbanel. The Abarbanel says, oh, it's not a problem. Moshe Rabbeinu said it. But then HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe Rabbeinu to write it down and make it part of the Torah. It's true that the words in the speeches made by Moshe Rabbeinu did not originate perhaps with Hashem. I think that's what the Abarbanel means. Nevertheless, nevertheless, when Moshe Rabbeinu was supposed to write these words down into the into the Torah, so Hashem dictated it to to him, and then he wrote them down. So El Hadvarim Asher Deber Moshe might be words that introduce us to a new Torah or the new a new aspect of the Torah. I mean, in the Book of Dvarim there are a lot of mitzvot, many many mitzvot. So those mitzvot are not the mitzvot, are not what we're talking about. We're not talking about Moshe Rabbeinu giving mitzvot. All the mitzvot were given by Hashem at Har Sinai to Moshe Rabbeinu, then taught them to Bnei Yisrael. But these words, Eilat Vayim Hashem Moshe, sound like there's another kind of Torah which may have originated with the words of Moshe Rabbeinu, and incorporated into the Torah. Now, if you think about it, you know that in the book of Breshit and the book of Shemot, there are conversations that take place between people who are not not necessarily connected to the Torah, and they but they appear in the Torah. So it means that Hashem said, this is important for us, and this is important for us. So the idea that Moshe Rabbeinu would generate material that would then become incorporated into the Torah is perhaps not such a remarkable idea. The big problem that we have, the big problem that we have with uh, Tisha B'Av I think, I mean, when I say we, I mean me. (laughs) And whoever else wants to be part of the problem. So we have a problem. 
on Tisha B'Av. And that is, why is it taking so long? Why is it taking so long to get back to what we had early on? And what we had early on was the Beit HaMikdash, which was derived in large part from the Mishkan, from the tabernacle in the in the desert. And when the Jews were exiled by the Babylonians, Jews were exiled by the Babylonians in 586 BCE, it didn't take a terribly long time for the Jews to come back to Eretz Israel to start rebuilding the temple in Yerushalayim. And they were given special easements, the Jews were, by the Persians who wanted for some reason to allow the Jews to rebuild their temple. I mean, the reason is not so hard to understand. I mean, the Persians were interested in control. And control is easier over an organized, well-funded, kind of set up than Hefkerut, like Tohu So they were, the Persians were good at that, and the Jews took advantage of it, rebuilt the temple, and uh, had the temple for a, a number of years until it was torn down, destroyed by the Romans. And this temple, the second temple, has not yet been rebuilt, has not yet been put into place, as even though there are some people who are preparing themselves for the temple, so to speak, most people are not. Most people are not. They've kind of lost hope that there would be another temple, even though they say when they daven, they say it again and again. Let's have a temple. Let's give the sacrifices. Let's do what the Torah wants us to do. And yet, and yet, um, we don't see it. We don't see it. And it's only been 2,100 years. Remember, the second temple was begun 50 years after the exile, and here we are 2,100 years, 2,100 years. Now, interestingly, in the beginning of the Parsha of Dvarim, and one of the reasons that the Parsha of Dvarim always comes out uh, on the week of Tisha B'Av is because it contains that word, Eicha. Contains the word Eicha. Let me just. Pasuk Yudbet 12. Moshe Rabbeinu speaks to B'nai Yisrael and he says, Eicha Esa Levadi. Eicha Esa Levadi. Esa Levadi. How can I bear the burden? How can I bear the burden? What burden? The fact that you're so difficult. 
you're always in court. You're always fighting about something. You're always unhappy. So Moshe Rabbeinu is trying to justify something. And he's trying to justify the fact that his reign as the leader of Am Yisrael is coming to an end. Just as Am Yisrael is destined to go into Eretz Yisrael. So we leave out the story about the personal obligation that Moshe Rabbeinu had to HaKadosh Baruch because he didn't do the right thing at a particular moment. What Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, look, it makes sense. It makes sense. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's your fault. It has nothing to do with the water that he he hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock. That was something, that was something else. But here, in Pasuk Yudbet, it says Moshe Rabbeinu is explaining himself. And he says, How can I continue to be the leader of Am Yisrael? They are defined. your fightings. Masachem is the things that you carry around, the burdens. And the Torchachem is the difficulties that you produce. Now, Rashi explains each one of these things in greater detail, and you should take a look. But the point is, that Moshe Rabbeinu is not saying, I sinned, and therefore I am not leading you into Eretz Kenan. Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, it's your fault. I am I am the one who they want uh, as their leader. And and what did that mean? That means that I straighten things out. I'm the last court of appeal. I'm in charge of telling people who is doing the right thing and who is doing the the wrong thing. But here, you know that word, Eicha. The word Eicha appears three times in the Tanakh. It appears in Yeshayahu, the Apostle says, How did Am Yisrael become like a prostitute? going around from one nation to another looking for help when they could turn to Hashem. The second time is in the Pasuk in the beginning of Megillat Eicha. Eicha Yeshva Badad. Eicha Yeshva Badad. And the third time is right here. Eicha Esalibadi. So what does that word Eicha mean? I mean, if I was a grammarian, I would say, well, there's Eicha and there's Eicha. There's a shorter form and a longer form. The longer form became identified with the poetry. And the shorter form is regular. And we see it today in Hebrew, people say Eich, but they don't say Eicha. Eicha is considered to be uh, a more elevated level, a more elevated level. But what I think, when I try to deal with this question of Eicha, what is Eicha, what does Eicha mean? So I thought, 
that, you know, there are two kinds of questions that a person can ask introduced with the word eich or eicha. If you say eich, then you could say, how do I fix my car? How do I eich? How do I fix the telephone? Eich. How do I fix my refrigerator, which I had the good fortune to do recently? Eich. Eich means I don't know the answer, but I'm confident that there is an answer. Eicha is a more profound version. I don't know the answer, and I don't think there is an answer. Eicha is salavadi. Moshe Rabbeinu says, how can I how can I do it alone? How can I do it? I mean, God chose me alone to be the leader. And it doesn't seem to me today that I can do it. What was it that HaKadosh Baruch Hu thought? How did he understand that? And so Moshe Rabbeinu says, Pasut Yud Gimel, Bring me Anashim chachamim unibonim v'yiduim l'shivtechem knowledgeable in the ways of the tribes v'asimeim berashechem and I'll give them the leadership, the leadership obligations, and I'll make them in charge of what is going on. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, said, but Hakadosh Baruch Hu gave me the job of leading B'nai Yisrael to Eretz Kenan, what was not included was taking care of an unruly people. It was rather that we expected that they would understand things, that they would be all chachamim univonim, that they would all be the understanders of the situation that they were in. And what was that situation that they were supposed to take the experience of Kabbalah Torah, receiving the Torah at Sinai, an experience, they were all standing there, they were all there, they were with Moshe Rabbeinu when he received the Torah, and then build the Mishkan. Of course, I know that there is the Egel Azahav, but the idea, the idea was that the people who had the experience of Torah, who could be called in that way, they could be, right? Instead of wisdom, collective wisdom, we had to replace Moshe Rabbeinu by an organization, by a police force, by people of intelligence and wisdom. One person replaced by an endless bureaucracy of people who could watch over things and make sure that B'nai Yisrael 
would get to where they were going. So I say again, what was the original plan? The original plan was that the people who received the Torah and Har Sinai, who understood better than anybody else, that getting the Torah and Har Sinai is a real, a real thing. It really happened. And they were the ones who knew that it really happened. So those people, those people were worthy of building the Beit HaMikdash. It made sense that the people who were in Har Sinai, the first thing that they would do, Moshe Rabbeinu came down the second time from the mountain on the 10th day of Tishrei, which we call Yom HaKippurim. On that day, Moshe Rabbeinu came down and said to Bnei Yisrael, the time has come, let's build it. Just Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay, he had a little help from B'Tzalel and Leo. But it was basically... She, she, she enjoys... Uh... She's enjoying. It was it was Moshe Rabbeinu who did it. It was Moshe Rabbeinu who did it, so that we understand, we understand that, in order to build the Beit Hamikdash, yeah, you have to be worthy. I mean, you could be in Eretz Israel, but if you're not worthy, you're not going to be able to build the Beit Hamikdash. So we know that the Chachamim said that there were three major transgressions that B'nai Yisrael did that led to the destruction of the first temple. Three, right? Shrichat Amim, Rayot. They would kill each other. They would have sexual indiscretions. And the second Beit HaMikdash, the Chachamim said, was all Sinat Chinam, meaningless hatred, things that don't make any sense, that people could go on for generations hating each other and forget what it was that started it all, why did they hate each other at the beginning. It could, it's, it's, it's quite possible. It's quite possible. So it seems to me that the first Beit HaMikdash, it was I mean, terrible transgressions, but I could pinpoint them, I could put my finger on them, I could say to Yibanesh Lolam, I do tshuva on whatever it was that I did. Shrichat Damin, Gilui Arayot, terrible things, but I know what I did. And because I know what I did, I can do tshuva. So the people who were, who left Eretz Yisrael at the time of the Bukhadnezar, who destroyed the Beit HaMikdash, when the Persians allowed them to return to Eretz Yisrael, when the Persians allowed them to return to Eretz Yisrael, they had done proper tshuva, and it was reasonable for them to do, to start rebuilding the Beit HaMikdash, which they did. And that Beit HaMikdash was there until the Romans burnt down the second temple. And what do Chazal say about the transgression that was, that was done by B'nai Yisrael that caused the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, second temple and the exile of the Jewish people? They say, Sinat Chinam. Sinat Chinam, what a terrible thing. 
What a terrible thing. I mean, can you do tshuva? Who could say about himself, it's sinat chinam that I did. I am guilty. I mean, who can say that? Yes, if you do an idolatrous thing and it's pointed out to you, then you can say, Oi, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it that way. I readjust my understanding of things. I can't do it. I can't, I'm sorry, I can do tshuva for the things that I did because because they, they're malleable. I can touch them. I know what they are, but Siddhat Chinam, I don't even know what that is. I don't know what that is, and if I am affected by it, how could I ever do tshuva for it? So we see again that the model, the model for the Beit HaMikdash, for the, for the, the Mishkan, the model is a unique kind of religious experience which makes the people, as a people, worthy of the Beit HaMikdash. This was true when the Shlomo HaMelech built the Beit HaMikdash when Ezra and Nehemiah built the Beit HaMikdash. But apparently it's not true for us. And maybe we see it in every day of you. Well, it's hard to avoid listening to the news in Israel. But it's hard to imagine. So I think we could reinterpret the Pasuk, Pasuk Yudbet, that says, Eicha Esalev Adi. Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to B'nai Israel, and he's not saying, I'm tired. He's not saying, I can't do it. He's saying, you turned out differently than you should have. You were the people who had the Mishkan, and you know, they were coming into, into Eretz Yisrael, and that Mishkan that they built in the desert would disappear. And other places would take its place, but that Mishkan, which is the result of Har Sinai, that Mishkan was going to disappear. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, Eicha Salavadi. This was not the agreement that I made with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that I wouldn't be able to put up, I wouldn't have time to deal with I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that. So you have to know you're losing out. You're losing out on building the temple and they were not able to, the people who went into Eretz Canaan were not able to build the temple. They they kind of wavered back and forth between one idolatrous intercession and another. So Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu is not just telling people how he feels and what happened, but he's trying to explain to them why it is that he cannot be around for the completion of the journey. The journey began as slavery in Egypt and went to Har Sinai, the Mishkan, Eretz Kenan, Yerushalayim, 
and the Beit HaMikdash. He can't do it. He can't do it. It has to be done by a different, with a, within the context of a different system, a system where there's a lot of people who are in charge of a lot of people. And in that way, hopefully they become worthy of building the Beit HaMikdash. We're not worthy, apparently, which is why the Beit HaMikdash has not yet been built. So in Yitz Hashem, things will change. We will prove ourselves to be better, and we will do what has to be done. All the best. Be well. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you.